My name is Grindhead Jim, and welcome to the show. This is episode 10, which is going to be talking about a lot of changes to the marketplace and what kind of effects that can have on your psyche and also the sociological structure of the entire marketplace as a whole community. Um, I know it sounds really complicated, but we'll break it down. My guest this week is someone who is a tremendous driving force behind keeping things positive uh, when it comes to content creation, being informed, and having all the tools that you need, both mental, emotional, and you know metrics, to get your content and your voice out there. I speak, of course, of the illustrious, the wonderful, the intelligent, and great... Ashney Christ. How are you doing today, Miss Ashney Christ? I'm doing really good. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been called illustrious, so that is very exciting for me. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions from that, if you will. Root word, illustrate. Uh, <laughs> so I'm dying. I also have the plague, guys, so excuse me if I start like coughing um, or anything else. I am I am suffering. <laughs> Totally, I totally get that. Um, so, I had I was, I was kind of struggling with what we were going to talk about uh, because we there's so much you and I can talk about uh, mm. because we have similar goals in the community and so forth. But ultimately, uh, YouTube did the job for me and created some controversy this week. Uh, so it kind of made me look at a larger thing. I speak, of course, of the changes to the YouTube partnership policy in which a large, if not the largest portion of the YouTube content creation uh, community is getting cut off. No more monetization because you don't meet certain metrics. Uh, and of course, there was much bedlam controversy, vitriol, and of course, salt. Um, and there's a million ways to look at this, but my, my first thing I want to talk about is <laughs> what was your first reaction to this? Um, I mean... I, I try to give YouTube the benefit of the doubt <clears throat> with a lot of what they do because I know the community is extremely, extremely emotional about everything. And there's a huge trend right now, especially for people to really hate on YouTube for a lot of the changes that they're making. Mm -hmm. And so I try to at least <laughs> really figure out what they are announcing um, and what these changes actually mean for creators as opposed to getting too emotional initially. Right. but. <clears throat> Definitely at first, I think I think immediately I was like, this is this is kind of cool, but I know this is gonna be really bad for a lot of creators. I know a lot of people are gonna feel really discouraged and disheartened by this. Absolutely. I, I, I do think that mm. the long-term benefits of the idea outweigh the short-term hurt. Uh, mm -hmm. but I also feel like in light of, of recent events that have happened, it's a bit too soon. I, I think they could have rolled this out in about three months or something like that. Gotten away with it. Because a lot of people think this has to do with what happened with Logan Paul and all that. And it really doesn't. It has nothing to do with that. This is more to do with your clickbait uh, kind of video channels. The bot channels that will create and steal videos. And will create views by like having automated systems that will create views that way. They're trying mm -hmm. to up engagement um and you know lower this kind of if you click on it that's your algorithm they were treating youtube for a decade the same way they were treating their ads which was not <clears throat> conducive to the system so my thought process was yeah. as soon as i understood that it was like okay 
So more than likely, once you get rid of all these channels that are going to be exporting the old algorithm, you open up the floodgates to allow other content to be found and seen, which would then right. retroactively give people the metrics that they're desperately shooting for now. That's the way I took it. Mm-hmm. Even though I did put out a, a fuck you YouTube, uh, <laughs> I did tweet it out. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people... A lot of people did that because, like I said, people are extremely emotional. And mm. I hate to kind of use this this word um, that a lot of other creators have been throwing around that aren't being as emotional about YouTube's changes, but it can come across as kind of entitled. Although I know oh, that yeah. that's, that's not necessarily... I feel like that's an extremely harsh word, and that's not how I mean it at all. Like, it's not its not bad to feel like you deserve something for the work that you're doing. Right. <clears throat> I, I, I do feel think... like... Go ahead. I apologize. No, you're good. Go for it. Um, I, And I, I think that there's a there's got to be a cutoff point to where that that applies, right? So, like, when yeah. you talk about entitlement, like, you can't just walk on the platform, put up about 10 videos that aren't getting any views, and then be mad. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like... There, with this move, there wasn't anything that was being done to directly acknowledge partners that have been on there for a long time. And whether or not yeah. we have a huge revenue stream, um, we've been there since the beginning. You know, people that have had channels five, you know, three, four, five years and have, you know, generated some pretty nice spikes here and there. Maybe they're falling by the wayside. There's, it's just kind of like, I understand you can't, you, you got to cut it off somewhere. And I realize there's got to be a number, uh, but there wasn't even an acknowledgement of the people that have built that platform and were staying small for whatever reason, regardless of what the, the, the metric was. And I, I feel like most of the people that are upset that I feel may have a right to be is because there was that kind of a, there's no grandfather clause or nothing like that. But I agree that that is definitely a sense of entitlement. That is the definition mm-hmm. of entitlement. I've been here for five years. I should have this. You can't yeah, go to McDonald's totally. and stand there for five years and, <laughs> and make less cheeseburgers than the other guy. And think you're going to get paid the same as the guy that makes twice as many cheeseburgers. Like I get it. Yeah. And I think something that a lot of, newer creators don't really have is the ability to recognize that YouTube is letting us upload to their platform for free. Like it is completely free to upload as much video content as you want. That is crazy. Get a website Mm -hmm. and automatically host all of your own videos and see what happens. Like it is just, it's a lot of data. Yes. And they also have a really unique, um journey where they're trying to <clears throat> they're trying to analyze literally every single video that is coming onto the platform so there's 400 hours of youtube content that is uploaded each minute mm-hmm. 400 hours they are trying to develop an algorithm that can sift through all of that find what's garbage find what's good and promote the stuff that's great and that's really <laughs> that's really hard to do when there are millions of creators People are starting, like, young kids are starting to say, I want to be a YouTuber when I grow up. You know, like, this is starting to become online content creation, starting to become much more widely accepted. It's starting to become um, a thing that a lot of people want to do. And so 
just to like have a, a platform where we're able to contribute and it doesn't cost us a dime, I think is awesome. And it's, it's something that's lost on a lot of people because either they're newer creators and they don't remember, you know, 10 years ago when people were having to pay to upload literally anything. Right. <clears throat> or they just feel like because it's online, it should be free. And obviously, you know, for, for <laughs> many different reasons and many different business plans, that kind of idea just doesn't really work. It's not sustainable for, for the entirety of the internet. But yeah, I think that's extremely important to realize that you're, you're able to build this crazy brand, get your message out there, get your voice heard and impact people's lives. And, and you don't have to pay a dime for it. You literally right. have to do nothing. And I, I, I definitely echo that sentiment 100%. You know, you don't get something for nothing, uh, although the opportunity is there for you. You have to put in the work to make these things happen, um, mm -hmm. without a question. And I definitely feel like the opportunity for, you know, for your Twitch, for Mixer, for YouTube, that these are great things, and it's amazing that these companies exist and are allowing us to do that. Um, mm -hmm. However... And this is my little, and this is again, this is where I make the separation, and it's a small one. I I've been on YouTube since before Google Bottom, and mm -hmm. I have more than one channel. I have three different channels for that for different avenues and stuff like that. And um, many of my other friends have been on this since before Google bought it, and Google would never have had reason to buy this platform without creators like at that size, um, and certainly some of the failures that I personally feel YouTube has made in addressing certain algorithmic problems or maybe not moving fast enough to make to fix those problems are creating the problem they're trying to solve now, which is now screwing people over. Now, granted, and again, I want to reiterate that I feel the long-term gain is going to be fine. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people that are freaking out that mm -hmm. are close to these metrics or whatever, they're going to be fine. Like we're, They're going to get more yeah. views as a result of this. But again, it, for me, it's the lack of acknowledgement that, hey, you built this. We know some of you are going to be hurting. Here's what we can do. Here's how we can help. There wasn't really an outreach. And, and, and yeah. there doesn't seem to be any appreciation that if there were no content creators, <laughs> YouTube wouldn't be a thing either. Like, you can have all the servers in the world and open it up for everybody. But if no one creates content, it's not going to be there. They're not going to make that money. And if people stop creating because they're discouraged, what does that do for YouTube? For sure. So I have a couple of, of thoughts about that. Um, <clears throat> initially, YouTube had no way of knowing that they were going to explode the way that they have. So they're not... <laughs> God. <clears throat> Sorry. So unfortunately, they're not going to know that they need to prepare for this crazy influx of creators, which is what happened a few years ago. Like they... Mm -hmm created this partner program. Um, they started doing, they started adding additional features specifically for smaller creators. And that just opened the floodgates and they got hundreds of thousands of new people onto the platform overnight. <clears throat> and they didn't know that that was gonna happen. That was unplanned. And so now, yeah, obviously they're having to backtrack and fix some of that, but this is a, a problem that isn't exclusive to YouTube. This happens with businesses, this happens with influencers, this happens with literally everybody that just immediately explodes and they mm -hmm. didn't set up their the business surrounding their content or they didn't set up their lifestyle to scale. So <clears throat> when they did explode, then all of a sudden they were like, oh my God, everything that I'm doing is 
just not going to work anymore because I built this for literally a hundred people and now there's a hundred thousand. So what do I do? (laughs) So I can definitely empathize with them there, but whenever it comes to the creator side, (laughs) Oh my God. YouTube is poisoning Ashney. That's why she's coughing. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. (laughs) They're like, "Ah, you better say good things. (laughs) Um, whenever it comes to the creator side, though, I definitely, definitely empathize there, too, because I know that whenever you're contributing to a platform and you feel like you're growing a relationship with this company, you feel like they should recognize your work. And I totally agree with that. Like, yes, that that's amazing. And I want everybody to feel like the hours that they're putting in are important and that they're impacting people's lives. And I think that's awesome. But <clears throat> I think, too, um, Twitch does a a much better job than YouTube at recognizing creators, especially like smaller creators, Um, but they still struggle with it as well. YouTube is humongous, jai-freaking-normous, jai-freaking-normous, 400 hours of content in one minute. That's crazy. crazy. And not only that, but they've, they've always been... they've always been kind of cold and distant and they've never really fostered relationships with their actual creators. So it's, it's not something that's different from what they've been doing literally the entire time that it's been a platform. True. I mean, it's existence of the status quo does not excuse the status quo. That's all I got to say on Mm -hmm. that. But you're right. That doesn't mean you're wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. but that all being said, you know, we could hem and haw about why they did it, the timing of why they did it, whether or not they acknowledged who they acknowledged. The fact is they did it like this is a thing Mm -hmm. now. So no matter how you might feel about this being done, people listening, uh, there's now a situation you've got to deal with. And if you're serious about content creation, you've got to deal with the feelings that are associated with it and you've got to make some decisions. So, you know, how does this affect the, the individual creator? A lot of people are like, ah, I'm not doing it with YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> so I reacted a little bit differently. I, I went raw and I gave it a couple days. And then today, in preparation for this conversation, I went, you know what? I looked at my numbers. I'm really on the cusp of it. I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to try something. So I took some long form videos I had made on Twitch and I just, just popped them over. So I have my entire playthrough of, like, say, Battlefront 2 is now on my channel. So, and I did the math, if, if, if only a third of my viewer base watches this, these videos in their entirety, just these three, not the seven that I put, poured it over, there's my numbers, I'm good. And if I get a few mm-hmm. uh, subscribers out of that, I'll be fine. Um, and, and there's various ways to do it, you know, but, um, and that's a logistic thing. For sure. But how, how, but how does one... How does one say, okay, here's this goal I had to shoot for. Now the system's totally different. How do you think someone can emotionally prepare psychologically and then create a new plan based on something that now they're having to work towards something that is arguably different? For sure. So I think that the reality of being a content creator is that the bar is constantly moved. So even when you get Twitch partnership, even when you become a YouTube partner, and you reach these goals, there's always a further goalpost that once you get to that goal, human nature is to be like, okay, I've accomplished this. Now what? You don't just sit at one goal forever and you're like, all right, I'm done. Cool. We got there. Right. 
people that are actually goal setters, which is a, a huge trait of successful content creators is that they love to set and accomplish goals. <clears throat> people that do that just have to acknowledge the fact that this is something that you're always going to, to be experiencing as a creator. I think that it's, it's totally fine. And it's kind of exciting too, because once you accomplish a big goal, you feel this like, you feel super happy and you're super just proud of yourself for accomplishing something, proud of everybody else that has helped you get there. And that really inspires people once you hit a goal to believe in you more to be able to hit the next ones. And content creation doesn't just stop or, or plateau once we hit one of our goals. I think that the, the best part about being a creator is constantly feeling how feeling out how to innovate in your content and how to get to the next level and how to grow and how to bring more people into the awesome stuff that you're doing. And I think that some people who, you know, consider themselves to be, or just have the numbers of being a like smaller creator <clears throat> are kind of, um, I guess, unaware or they're maybe afraid of setting these goals or trying to achieve them or, um, they could be a, a little apprehensive or maybe not believe in themselves that they actually can hit these goals. And I think that if you're reaching for something that is really far ahead, so maybe you're at 50 or 100 subscribers on YouTube, or you know, if you're smaller on Twitch and you're trying to go for 100 followers or trying to get affiliate, the way that you get there is by setting smaller achievable goals for yourself because what happens whenever you reach a goal and you finally get to that destination human nature your brain kicks in and it's like oh what next that's just what happens to everybody and so <clears throat> once you accomplish these smaller goals it builds your oh my gosh i forgot what it's called no <laughs> oh it's such a good word too oh man momentum <laughs> anyways it built it built no it's it's more your ability to believe that you can actually accomplish your goals. Confidence. So, no, that's not it. I mean, that too. It definitely builds your confidence and your ability to accomplish goals. But, <clears throat> but yeah, set smaller goals for yourself and then mm -hmm. just start, start by setting goals that you know you're going to accomplish anyways. Make it a goal. And then once you get there, your, your brain is immediately going to be like, okay, now let's set a little bit of a bigger one. Let's try something bigger. And and um, I, I do yeah. feel like this does <laughs> I keep coming back to this, but I'm gonna keep hammering it home because a lot of people that are listening, their knee jerk reaction is gonna be, Well, I've been trying to do that or or I've I think I've done that and I'm trying to push forward and um for whatever reason, like I'm not going anywhere. And granted, the I think mm -hmm. the answer to that question or concern last week it is a little bit different than what will happen after these changes take place. Because if you do take away these large groups of people or fake people that are putting out, mm -hmm. you know, crap content and you're taking away the emphasis on the click and you're putting emphasis on the content, that that becomes like you, your focus on quality becomes how you grow rather than people seem to, yes. they, they oh seem to want to like generate yes the the click they don't they're not as worried about creating quality as they are about creating attention and yes and that's something that i i feel like <coughs> now if the if the algorithm moves away from rewarding the attention seekers 
and rewards those creating content worth watching, which is supposedly the goal, and I, I tend to believe that. I think that that's gonna, we're going to see more opportunity for the good content to rise, in theory. Totally, totally. I think what happens is that a lot of people, especially if you're newer to the game, which obviously are the people that are affected by this change, the first thing that you think whenever you see these large creators is, oh my god, they have a million subs, so all I have to do is get subs and I'm going to be important. That is 100% the wrong way to think about content creation. It is not about the numbers. The subscriber count that you have on YouTube is 100% a vanity number. The amount of followers you have on Twitter or Instagram or Twitch, the subs maybe not subscribers, those are a bit more community-based on um, Twitch, but... All of these numbers are vanity numbers. They literally mean nothing <coughs> unless you have an ability to grow community and to engage that community. So if you are just, I mean, it's super easy to go out and buy like 100,000 Twitter followers, right? Or to go out and buy just like this YouTube change is trying to fix, go out and buy subscribers for YouTube. And a lot of people will do that because they think that that is going to make them more important to companies. And it's not true. And especially with <laughs> these new algorithm changes coming because like the, the whole focus is on the engagement. So right. like for, for example, uh, I have a video on my channel. It's a review of a certain headphone that I had a mm -hmm. horrible experience with the customer service. And the, it was a very negative review. It was very angry review. Um, gets a ton of views because it has a great thumbnail and it has a lot of and it just like this, this weird cycle where like it's I did good SEO on it so it gets mm -hmm. tons of views but the like dislike ratio is a disaster however that's engagement because I've got com comments for days you've got people clicking and that's what they're looking for yeah. so it's not and really about the tone of the video it's the fact that you're getting the engagement which is more important right yeah a really common strategy is is called I don't really recommend that people do this all the time, but it can it can work. It's you vilify your antithesis. So basically, <clears throat> you find the person who has all these ideals and or company even has all these ideals or products or things right. that you just don't believe in, and you stand against that. And another thing about human nature is that we want to stand behind the people that have the same beliefs as us. And so mm -hmm. we'll all kind of rally together. And this is why you have. <clears throat> You know, you have this Logan Paul situation and all of his subscribers, I've loved him forever, are like, it's not that big of a deal, guys. Don't worry about it. It was an accident. He apologized for it. <laughs> and right. It's obviously ridiculous. Like, they know that it's wrong. <clears throat> but a, a part of being human is that you want things to stand for. And a part of being an influencer is not being afraid to stand for something. And that can be really scary for a lot of smaller creators. Um, and, you know, we could probably talk about that for like hours, but I don't want to tangent too hard on that. Do what? That's part of the psychological impact, though, that these mm -hmm. things make. So it's totally on subject. See? Yeah, so you're fine. Yeah, that's true. True that. True that. Um, to kind of take this like full circle back to engagement. It's just the number one most important thing and learning how <laughs> to properly engage your community on every platform, whether that's Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, blah, 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 whatever, <clears throat> is such a fun puzzle to be able to solve as a creator. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. There you go. 
So, yeah. I mean, this do it. Figure it exactly. out. Exactly. You got to do it. The <clears throat> and, and these kinds of changes happen all the time. Um, you know, and good or bad, because you could have a platform that's doing great make a change that is clearly for the better. The majority of people say, wow, this is a much better change. And somebody may complain about it because they're used to the old way or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, managing change in any community, whether it's your Twitch community, your YouTube community, the content creation community of that platform, it can be a real pain in the neck. Um, example, right after YouTube makes this announcement, Twitch makes an announcement about how they're changing their video upload uh, tools. <laughs> and I, it, I think the timing was uh, coincidental at best. Um, mm -hmm. However, and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. You read the blog post. It doesn't seem like a huge deal. Then you go to your dashboard and you look at what the actual tools are there for you. And they take a lot of the stuff they were doing and make it a lot more streamlined. So all your videos, all your types of videos are in one place. You can filter them. They're easier to find. Um, the only thing I think missing on the new Twitch tools, for example, is a search bar. Let me search by title mm -hmm. in my videos. If they introduce that, done. I'm good. Yeah. Let me search in my own library. That would be the biggest thing. Beyond that, these tools are great. And we're like two or three features away from being a direct YouTube competitor with that type of tool. It's so close. Um, the only, th those tools being, the search feature needs to be improved. Needs to be less, less, um, needs to be less influenced by the popularity of the channel. Um, but I think that's their algorithm. The other thing being, um, somewhere that those videos can have more of a focused feature point, like a, like a, like a choke point. Because there's no place that the videos are really featured on Twitch. You kind of have to go looking for them in a weird way. And then, of course, um, the pe what most people are going to want for it to be an enticing alternative would be like the, uh, the, the revenue sharing for the videos, which is coming at some point for affiliates. Uh, partners already have that. So, but still, despite it being positive... It's a change. It changes how things are done. People freak out about that. So how do you recommend people navigate their way through even the good stuff? Like to, to minimize their freak out. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, do you mean navigate their way through posting content to the new like video platforms slash strategies? Or do to just to learn new processes to change the way they've been doing things for a long time because oh yeah whether we're talking about the YouTube changes where you're going to have to change your your thumbnail game and your SEO game is going to be a little bit different because you're trying to solve different problems with Twitch mm -hmm. you have to be a bit more laser focused on the SEO but now you're uploading it in a different place and your the format's going to be a little bit different and you know for how sure. does how does one mitigate that from kind of a a, a human standpoint yeah. So I think it can, it can definitely be easy to get discouraged whenever you're doing something really well and what you're doing changes or what you have to do changes. Um, I've been uploading my videos to YouTube as well as to Twitch. And now mm -hmm. with this new change, it's changing what I have to do. <clears throat> but once again, I think that's the reality of being a content creator. And we all just need to realize that if we are contributing to these platforms, they will be changing things to kind of bring out the best of their platform. Right. 
Right. And they'll do this consistently. If this is something that they're they're gonna change over and over and over again, they're gonna iterate. Like that that's a big part about being successful and about having a successful business is iteration, innovation, like reiterating, changing things up all the time. And so that's never going to change. That is a reality that I think every content creator has to accept. But it's also really fun. I think it's mm -hmm. really exciting whenever things change. Like we can we can choose to look at this in a negative way and we can Absolutely. say, oh, they're changing stuff up and they want me to fail. Or we can choose to think about it in a positive way. And when we think about things in a positive way and we're creating and we're still trying to figure out algorithms and how these things have changed, how our content needs to change to be better for the recent changes to the platforms, it's really fun. It's <laughs> and it can be really <clears throat> exciting if you look at it in a positive way because it's like trying to figure out an, a puzzle, you know. It's a challenge. <clears throat> and yeah, you know, a lot of times and you're when... constantly challenged as a creator. Like if you don't want to be challenged, don't there do this. are plenty of other jobs that are are going to make you feel fulfilled that will give you or have the potential to give you the same amount of notoriety. Like just because somebody is a Twitch streamer or a successful YouTuber doesn't make them any better than whoever else, you know, Bob who works at Dell. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Your follow numbers don't matter. What, what matters is how fulfilled you are in your job in what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and going towards the things that make you happy and stepping further away from the things that don't. I, I think that there's a couple overarching things that we can take away from that. With the one number one being that rise to the challenge because mm -hmm. there's always going to be something new, something different because if this stayed the same, like I could not tell you what the Twitch dashboard looked like in 2012 the first time I tried to use it. And then there was a big <laughs> dashboard change two years ago. People freaked their shit. I was one of them. I like it better now but I don't remember what it looked like before. Um, but you have to be able to rise to the challenge because you have to trust that the, the platforms are there to, again, like you said, help you succeed if you're willing to put in the effort. You have to step mm -hmm. up. You can't just, you know, show up and expect to get your participation trophy. Sorry. Um, and, that's yeah. people, and that's people of all ages. It's a joke often, you know, lobbied towards a younger generation, and I don't think that's true. I think that... When we talk about entitlement as a thought, you know, we established earlier in the show, you know, people that are have been on the platform for a long time, grew up that are in their 30s or 40s, perhaps, can still have that. It's not exclusive to some younger generation. And mm -hmm. the people that are willing to adjust and be, and here's the other point, flexible uh, with yeah, how they totally. approach their content, those are going to be ones that, that rise to the top because they're like, oh, this, you know, this lily pad is, is sinking. I'm going to jump to the next one. If you stood there and say, I can't believe this lily pad is sinking. <laughs> you know, it, you know. That was very realistic. Are you okay? I'm totally fine. <laughs> so, like, at the end of the day, you have to weigh and balance uh, where should your effort go. I, I would argue that and this is in any subject, but especially in content creation, I feel, the time one spends complaining, the amount of energy you spend being negative, even if you took just half of that and put it into doing, creating something, like, I don't know, content, that you can feel good about, 
one, you created something that wasn't there. And two, you're not being as negative and you're contributing to solving a problem rather than just standing still complaining about a problem. Totally. And if you create something, you can look back at that and be like, hey, I made this thing and you can be mm -hmm. proud of yourself for it. And that's such a big piece of creation as well is just making things and being proud of the work that you put in and being proud of your work ethic for actually getting that thing done. So that's that's a huge kind of determining factor in whether or not you're going to be successful is you being able to feel that that success and you being able to actually know that you're on the right path because you really just want to work at it. It's important. Very, very mm -hmm. important. So whether we are again, you know, um, there are going to be people that are affected by this that have larger channels because they're, you know, again, the whole landscape changes here uh, with this. And it's something that, will be an adjustment. It'll be a challenge. It's an opportunity. Um, what do you think are some of the changes we'll see in how people create content? Like, again, we've talked a little bit before about how the <laughs> emphasis used to be on you've got to grab their attention before they even click the video to click the video, and that's really mm -hmm. your goal. Now, if the goal is... Uh, no longer that the YouTube way, quote unquote, you know how it used to be like, well, do this. You got to call your action here. Da, 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 da. Do, you yeah. see a, do you see a change in that formula? And if so, what are they? Like, what do you think people should be doing to engage with quality content that maybe they weren't thinking about doing before? Does that For make sense? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that, man, there are some amazing, amazing YouTube creators that really teach people how to make amazing YouTube videos and channels. And <clears throat> those are, oh my gosh, really guys, th that resource. Um, I personally use, uh, oh my gosh, Tim Schmoyer. I think it's like just YouTube creators, I mm -hmm. think. Oh my God, how did I forget his channel? But Tim Schmoyer, he's amazing. Um, he's a YouTube certified expert, meaning he's actually like taken classes at YouTube HQ and gone through a bunch of trainings so that he knows what you need to do to make a successful channel. He's also made tons of successful channels, works with clients all the time. And there's a bunch of guys that do this as well. There's like a, a hub of them and they're all just so intelligent. But <clears throat> I think the way that people are, should be creating on YouTube <clears throat> isn't going to change too much, but I think more people are going to realize that they can't just upload a video and be important anymore. Just because you upload a viral video doesn't necessarily mean that your channel is going to take off. Right. It has a lot to do now with, um, you know, consistency, of course, was always important. Making sure that you're uploading, um, having a schedule is is helpful, but I don't think super necessary, um, but definitely helpful because you get your notification squad and they're always ready for you. <clears throat> and, you know, having obviously awesome YouTube thumbnails and <laughs> actually having a reason behind your channel and knowing what your value is. And finding a way to niche your content is super, super important because there are millions, millions of YouTube channels and creators out there. <clears throat> and we really only see the ones that are super successful. So a lot of people are like, oh man, it's really easy. This person did this, so I just have to copy that. But you don't see people that fail, right? Right, exactly. <clears throat> there are tons of people that are doing it wrong. Um, a big thing when you're creating a YouTube video, okay, some of the, the 
most impactful and most important stuff that I've learned from these people on YouTube is that we need to one, create super enticing thumbnails. Okay, so have thumbnails obviously that people really wanna click. Big letters work really well. Um, bright colors work really well. Um, putting your face on there works really well. Uh, having like the whites of your eyes showing is actually more likely to connect with an another human being and so they're more enticed to click or having some kind of really strong emotion on your face too. So basically something that kind of teases the value that your video is going to give and finding a way to express that value in just a single photo <clears throat> and then making it really exciting obviously and people see it and they're like, oh, cool. There are definitely a lot of tricks as far as thumbnails go in order to stand out. I personally don't use super colorful thumbnails or really like cheesy facial expressions because that's not really the kind of content that I'm drawn to. I know that I can use, you know, really bright purples and and use um, crazy emojis and all this other stuff to generate more clicks, but I am much more drawn to channels that have a certain design aesthetic. Um, and so I'm more trying to emulate that with mine. But anyway, so making a really awesome thumbnail is super important. And then within the first 15 seconds of your video, what you wanna do is once again, tease that value in a very strong way that makes somebody think, oh, okay, I should keep watching. <clears throat> so something that I started doing was I would present a problem. If I made a video over like, don't use hashtag support small streamers, I would use the first like 15 to 30 seconds of my video to say, hey, a lot of streamers think that this is, this is just common knowledge. They think that this helps them a lot, but actually it can hurt you more than it helps you. So let's talk about why. And then you can do like your cheesy little intro for <laughs> three or four seconds is usually how you want to, <clears throat> is usually the length of your video. You don't want it to take too long. And then you really get into the bulk of your content. You can do an outro and all of that. But <clears throat> definitely like hooking people, trying to find a way to focus on that hook is super important. But I think the biggest, biggest, biggest thing as far as like content creation in general goes that I could ever suggest to anyone <clears throat> is build a community around it find people that believe the same thing and go out there and help them and create a community of people that are like linking arms and helping each other do something because that way you're creating a story you're creating a journey and a mission that people can identify with and like i said earlier people want something and someone to stand behind yes. and if you make your channel into more of a movement than just hey i'm uploading let's plays <clears throat> it can be hey i'm uploading let's plays but I wanna upload Let's Plays and show disabled people that they can upload Let's Plays as well and that their content is just as good. And you start creating content for those disabled people. Like one of um, one of the people in my Discord has recently started doing this and she's making videos to help disabled people. So she has like six apps that are best for um, people who are disabled or <clears throat> she has a bunch of other videos that are similar. But yeah, creating like a mission and a journey and helping people is the biggest thing that you can do in content creation to create a community. And and to be really transparent here, let's make sure we're defining what creating a community is not. Creating a community does not mean you just open a Discord and say, let's everyone do retweets and, and let's everybody follow for follow. You're muted still. Um, Rip. 
<laughs> hey, while uh, you say this, I'm gonna grab some. Right on. Tell, tell them cool. what a community is not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> former communities not grabbing water. That's correct. But the fact that it remains that the reality is there's so many things that people call a community, and it's not a community, guys. What I'm talking about are things like follow for follow, like for like, retweet for retweet, retweet accounts. These you know trendy hashtags like support small streamers that are supposed to create a sense of community. But when I see a tweet that has like all these ads and hashtags, like I used to do, I don't <laughs> click on it. I actively avoid them now. And I was going totally. through some old tweets the other night. Um, and it wasn't really the tweets. I was in uh, one of my, I have every thumbnail I've ever created for a YouTube video or for like going live. Like I used to make a separate meme for every stream. I don't remember why I stopped, but mm -hmm. I did at some point. I stopped it at some point. And I'm like, these are some really quality fucking memes. Like, why am I not doing this? <laughs> like, why am I stopping? Like, like it, it's eye-catching. You'd get people like, the hell's that polar bear doing in that meme? And now it, it would start a, a conversation. So, but like, that's, you know, an example of how you can like differentiate your content. But as far as the community goes, like, it really kind of comes down to like, um, you want to be able to create a sense of common purpose. Uh, whatever that may be, you know, for example, my community's common purpose is that we want to have a place where we can be who we are and feel safe and, you know, form a family of, of people that are just, you know, mature, raunchy people <laughs> that love games and, and love hanging out. And because I do feel like as these creation platforms grow the creation styles should grow with it. And I think there is totally. maybe not as many uh, of this type of channel as there should be. Uh, although it is not necessarily the target audience, it's still a niche. This is where we're comfortable. This is what we do. And we do support each other, those that are creators. But we're not sitting there saying, okay, guys, retweet and this and that. and Because da, 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 da. there's entire communities that have these gigantic discords that all they're doing is trying to get attention from each other. And it's this just a robberous of just nothing. Nothing's mm -hmm. getting done. No one's growing. They're getting numbers, but nothing's happening. And it, that's not a community. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you said that. Cause that's something that I feel very passionate about as well. Um, <clears throat> it's really easy to, to take the, the shorter road, right? Use hashtag support small streamers or get into these communities that people are just going to retweet you. But all of that interaction, all of that engage engagement <clears throat> is so empty and useless. A hundred percent useless. Okay. Absolutely. <clears throat> if you're using a hashtag that is getting your going live tweet out or maybe getting a YouTube video out and it's, getting to a lot of eyeballs, but what kind of accounts is it getting to? Like, look at the people that are actually reading it. What are they doing? Are they actually coming to your stream and engaging with you off of it? No, not really. What those people are doing is they're retweeting a lot of those types of accounts, a lot of those same types of tweets. <laughs> they don't have time to go through and to support your content to really get to know who you are because they're doing it for literally everybody else. Right. Now, definitely, like, those numbers might be a little, um, I mean, they're obviously exaggerated, but you might have a couple people in there that legitimately care about your stream and really want to come in and see that. 
<clears throat> and support you. And I think fostering those relationships with the people that truly care about you and that truly want to see you succeed as a creator is infinitely more important than how many retweets you get on something or totally. likes you get on something or jumping into these communities just for the re retweets <coughs> or the follows or to try and like help each other get affiliate like yes yes absolutely we want to support each other as creators and we want to be there for each other and offer advice and encouragement and positivity and all of that. But it is so, <laughs> it's so much more impactful to have somebody who is going to consistently come to your streams that you're nurturing a relationship with and that you have this awesome friendship with who might go out and tell their other friends about your channel because they know who you are and they know that. <clears throat> they know that their friends will like your stuff because they're actually mm -hmm. focused on you and they're actually engaging yes. with you. And this is why I say like all of those vanity numbers are so empty and so useless. And a lot of people get discouraged because they think, Oh, I only have this many followers. Um, I only have this many YouTube subscribers, but it is, Oh my God. Like even as somebody who works for an organization that that partners with influencers, like I'm an influencer manager for somebody. <clears throat> I would much rather see somebody who has 200 YouTube subscribers or 100 Twitch subscribers, but every single one of those people are literally always in the stream or always supporting them. Exactly. Those types of channels, oh my God, if you can be a person that can drive that kind of engagement, I don't care if you're even an affiliate yet or not. I will personally go to the owner of our organization and be like, hey, we need to work with this person because engagement is so much more important. Micro-influencers, this is something that is kind of like super, uh, super buzzword right now in the entrepreneurship community. Micro-influencers are <laughs> so much more important than bigger influencers because once you reach a certain level, there is just a natural human cap at how many relationships you can continue, how many friendships you can nurture. That's right. People can only nurture up to a, a certain amount. I forgot if it was like, I can't remember. I think it was like ugh, in the hundreds somewhere, right. four or 500 maybe. <clears throat> that sounds about right. We, it, it's been yeah. a while since I've been in sociology class, but yeah, that sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's only a certain point where we can nurture so many relationships. But <clears throat> the people that are able to really find those people that support them and that <clears throat> believe in what they're doing are going to be so much more successful, even if they don't have the larger numbers. That's right. <clears throat> because this, we're talking about thing. quality again. Yeah, exactly. And not even just, <clears throat> just that, but your ability to get people to, to understand who you are and to connect with you and to care about the stuff that you're making like you don't have to have the fanciest equipment or the fanciest like <clears throat> you know um cameras for youtube or, or webcam or microphone or any of that to be a person that draws people to you to be a person <laughs> that is a good friend <clears throat> all of that stuff is not super necessary at all yeah. um i don't know if you've heard of it but there's this <clears throat> this entrepreneur i forgot his name but he has this idea that all everyone needs a thousand fans because if you can get a thousand true fans that support you, no matter what you do, if you can get them to pay you like 
you know, provide some kind of value for them, of course, like give them something that is super, <laughs> super, super coffee. relevant and super, yeah, super relevant and super helpful for them. If they will pay you a hundred bucks a year for that, you're automatically making six figures. A thousand people. How many of us have way more than a thousand followers? Like, right. there are a ton of us that do, but we're not making anywhere near that because we're not properly engaging or giving them value. There's so much more to creating content online than just, oh my God, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much. But I mean, that's kind of why I asked you to come on the show. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I asked you to come here and talk. I didn't ask you to come oh, stare man. at the camera lovingly while I talk, you know. You're beautiful, that was, that was Jim. You're beautiful. Oh, look at that. See? <laughs> look at that. See? <coughs> Flexible quality content right there. Um, but yes, you, you it, it's really not, you know, uh, you have impressions on Twitter. You have views on YouTube. You have, there are also views on Twitch. It's about that engagement, though. <laughs> so, like, for, for example, like, using Twitch as, a, as an example since we're here right now. However many views you have versus how many followers you have could be an indicator of how engaging you are because your conversion rate of views to follows is something there. If you see that conversion rate drop, okay, I'm doing something either different or not right, or I'm not doing what I was doing before. It's a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, on YouTube, you can tend to view that with how long someone viewed your video. That's the big algorithm that you're going to want to you know, go with now because they click on and click off. That does you no good. Um, mm -hmm. On Twitter, like you can create all the impressions in the world, but if I have a thousand impressions on one tweet, but I only have two responses, what does that say? They're like, oh, fuck that guy. And they, they, didn't, they didn't care. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. So it really kind of comes back again to this idea of creating something that will engender a true relationship and elicit a response. Sometimes you're going to get an, a negative response, which will create a conversation which leads mm -hmm. to a community. Totally. I think, I think and, that there, there's so much that, that revolves around doing things safely and in a structure that's tried and true. People forget that you can take risks within an established modus operandi and you'll either go somewhere with it or it won't work and you still have that structure you can fall back to. Risk taking is huge. And I think not enough people are willing to take those risks. And I feel like changes like what YouTube is doing uh, and what Twitch is doing enable you to take risks because you know what the bar to shoot for is. People tend to lose sight of that. What do you think? Yeah, about for sure, for sure. <clears throat> and somebody, um, somebody brought up a really great point in a Twitter conversation I was having earlier, where <clears throat> being a smaller creator, so the people that are affected by this YouTube change, or maybe you know smaller streamers, because that's kind of been a, a small topic of ours as well. This is a perfect time for these people to try different things and to not worry about being super crazy consistent all the time to iterate in their content and to change things up and really experiment. And I think that's, you know, one of the best times in content creation is whenever you're not tied down to something like you don't have to consistently create one type of video whenever you have 100 subscribers like you can just try out what you enjoy figure out what kind of resonates with people who do you want to be to mm -hmm. the people that who do you want to be to people online right like i did this exercise <clears throat> before i started making all of this content that i create to help streamers I did an exercise a few months ago where I sat down and I was like, okay, 
if I take literally everything that I'm interested in, every every hobby I have, every passion I have in my life, and I were to filter it and to put it online and make content about that one specific thing, who would I be to people? Who would I come across as to random people online? Would they actually care? Is this something that would resonate with people? Is this something that would be helpful? And I encourage a lot of people that are having problems finding their own value to really sit down and think about that. And it takes a conscious effort. Like you wouldn't think that sitting down and just thinking or, you know, I, I used a Google Doc as well. <clears throat> but just sitting down and doing an exercise like this can really help you clarify what impact do you want to make? Who do you want to be to people mm -hmm. online? <clears throat> And I think that's such a such a big part of niching and con or of content creation is your ability to niche and to find out what is going to make you the expert. Like, what can you be an expert in? Sit down mm -hmm. and figure it out. And I, I think too that a big part of that is, is isn't just preemptively doing, which is important. But sometimes mm -hmm. you're going to come at your 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 audience a certain way. They will perceive it a different way and create a niche for you. And you have to be open to that possibility. Uh, I did not start out as this guy that would discuss location of certain parts of female genitalia on the stream. <laughs> I didn't start out that way. But there are apparently a lot of young males that don't know where that thing is. And we decided to dedicate <laughs> a whole show to it. But we didn't, it took us two years to get there. It, it took two years. Oh, it my God. Out it started out with two years of like, okay, guys, we're going to play Dying Light, and we're going to play Destiny, and I'm going to be funny, and I'm going to make jokes, and we're going to listen to Hannah it'll be great. But it evolved over time, because people would come in, they would engage different things over time, got to this place. But then when we started having more adult conversations, there was more engagement. People came back more often, they started forming relationships with each other, and then suddenly it mm -hmm. bloomed. Had I not been cognizant, had I not noticed what people were responding to, I wouldn't have seen the opportunity to grow in that direction. This was not what I set out to do, but they responded to a part of my personality that I wasn't sure was going to be well-received. Uh, and I, I think sometimes, just like there's an old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees, I think sometimes your hidden talents will outweigh your intended vision, and some people might be hesitant to take the risk of going in that direction um <clears throat> just because you know like i've seen so many if you look at like any youtube channel is really successful or marginally successful and you go back to the first few videos they made they're totally different somewhere totally. along the way they found something in their voice and i really feel like it's engaging with the community whether they realize it or not that creates that um mm -hmm. The only I, reason that I was able to sit down and to figure out that route, that path that I wanted to take is because I've literally experimented, like ran trial and error on so many different other things I could have done. So I, <clears throat> I've been specifically, like most of my attention has been on Twitch. I've only been taking YouTube seriously for the past like two months. In the past mm -hmm. two weeks, I haven't even been making content because I've been sick, but I had a lot of time. I had a, <laughs> I had a lot of. <laughs> yes, I'm dying. I, I'm you're so tired of this cough, dude. It's awful. <clears throat> but you carry. I had a nicely. lot of of time to trial and error on Twitch. Like Twitch is mm -hmm. where I grew up in content creation. Like I started and I didn't talk to my chat for like three months. I had no idea what I was doing, even though I'd been in you know drama classes and acting for a long time. I did speech and debate and all of that. 
none of those skills transferred over onto camera for me. That's a skill that that is built separately from all of that stuff. Like obviously you can bring in outside skills, but this is something that can be scary whenever you're doing it for the first time. But I've been on Twitch streaming for four years or five years and <clears throat> it gave me a lot of opportunity to figure out what I wanted to do. Like I, I tried the being really, um, I tried being a troll for a while. I, I really like that. Eventually I, I tried um, being kind of uh, more raunchy on my stream and I wasn't, you know, I just, I felt like that wasn't really me. And I tried a bunch of different it. things. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or I mean the penis. <laughs> you can get one of those off the or shelf. Or do I? Uh, oh! <laughs> you know, I mean, I've seen some weird stuff on there. Like sometimes, like they're like, "Hey, I've got one right here," and they just pull out of the drawer. That's always fun. That's my one. Oh yeah. Oh but you God. have to find like what. But you have to find what they respond to. You have to find out what's comfortable yeah. too. There's a, and yeah. there's that balance. Uh, and then it, it builds from there. But <laughs> but if you don't take those risks and you don't try as many different things as can come to mind, you're never going to find it. Versus the person mm -hmm. who, and, and I've met so many content creators, I, and you'll see me Sundays especially. Sundays are the day where I get out my Grumble Bear hat, and people will be like, "I'm not going anywhere. I'm not. I'm not growing." I just I, I do what I'm supposed to I show up every day, I stream for nineteen hours on the same game, and I anyone that comes in I talk oh, to gee. them. You know, and <laughs> nothing happens, man. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm like Alright. Do you want the list? You know, it's like Yeah, seriously. That's way too broad, dude. Oh my You know, it, it just <laughs> and, and granted, um, you know, we don't have to sit here and do a master class on, on growth, but at the same time, you sometimes have to step out of yourself and be willing to take the risk of saying, okay, what could I be doing better? What could I be mm -hmm. doing or, or what, what should I stop doing? You know, for example, I recently decided uh, privately, and I, I'll talk about it in the stream, but I didn't make this huge announcement, but I'm like, I'm no longer going to be the guy that streams Destiny every day, even though that's mm -hmm. what I'm known for. People love to watch me play that game. It's not doing me any favors. You know, if I want to hang out with the same, you know, 50 people for the next 20 years, sure. I love those 20 people, but I want to bring them with me. I want more people to hang out because there's lots of guys that might not know where that part of the female body is. And we got to tell them. We got to show them. You know, <laughs> oh it's important, you know, um, <laughs> among other subjects. But ultimately, it's like you have to make the decision. Okay, if what I'm doing isn't working the way I want it to. How do I expand? So mm -hmm. you start experimenting with things. Well, maybe we need to stream this at different times of the day so that people still get that, but start bringing in somebody new in a different time zone with different content, with different ideas, and try to blend all this together and try to make a larger stew, if you will. Like not taking away from what made your content great, but try to bring more stuff into it. Um, there seems to be a... a like especially with gaming content and I'll and I'll start there. Have you noticed that there's people that either gravitate towards the person or people that will stick to one or two things or they're like all over the place with what they call variety? Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of middle ground where there's like these are the six things I do really well like on Twitch. I don't see a lot of that. Yeah, so um so here's the thing with that. 
<clears throat> if you're trying to grow a stream, sticking to one game is definitely way better. And that game should not be PUBG, Overwatch, Dota 2, League of Legends, all of those esports titles with tons of viewers. Choose something that's a little bit smaller that you still genuinely enjoy and build a base community there. Once you're comfortable with your numbers, usually um, usually you'll, you'll realize that you'll start to like max out um, and you'll kind of be known by everybody in the community at a certain point. Once you start to reach that kind of critical mass, <clears throat> that's whenever you start branching out. And the way that you do, you don't completely leave the community that you were a part of before, but if you want to start getting into variety streaming, which is the best place to be because you're growing a community of people who want to be there with you and watch you and hang out with you no matter what game you're playing. Exactly. <clears throat> if you want to do that, you can start with, let's say, you know, maybe you stream the game that... You stream the game that you're super known for for a couple of hours, and then you just switch to the thing that you really want to play. And so mm -hmm. that keeps it fresh for you. You're playing things that you want to play that you want to branch into, but you're serving that community that you've already built. And so people are more likely, because you, you served them by giving them the content they really wanted, they're more likely to follow you elsewhere. But yeah, I've noticed that um, people are either like variety streamers or... <clears throat> or a single game streamer and <coughs> the people that have you know maybe four or five games to switch between between might be like just bigger variety streamers that are focusing on like a few different games at that time it's really hard to know because i i i don't know it's it's hard to know like what's what's your rotation like how many games are exactly like what what the, the hell ever you want like throwing something from steam up onto your stream or like what it, what do you do mm -hmm. i don't know it's hard to and kind of gauge that but it really is uh and i i think that there are so many variables with it it's like at that point what's the worst that can happen if you stream once and then suddenly you see a viewership tank on that one day mm -hmm. on, when otherwise you're getting it um maybe that wasn't the right game maybe you weren't but it, it's, it's that ability and willingness to look at and, and really break it down and figure yeah. out okay what should i be doing and acting on it instead of just going twitch you know it's working against me youtube hates me these people don't yeah. come to me because they suck twitter sucks i hate hashtags you know that's yeah it's that's really what we're talking about it's coming yeah. back to this idea that you are the sole person responsible for the content you create you, you create and you foster the reactions that you get. You can react to those uh, that feedback, absolutely, and make it change your content or your tone. But at the end of the day, no one will do that except for you, whether we're talking about YouTube or Instagram or Twitter or Twitch or Mixer. Yeah, which is awesome. I think that's the great part about content and on in general is that you have direct control over how much money you're making, what your content is, like what your work schedule is like, literally everything. You are your own boss. And for some people, that can be a really bad place to be because they don't have behind them telling them what to do all day. But mm -hmm. for people like me and you and everybody else, really like successful online creators, <clears throat> it's a really freeing place to be. It's really awesome to be able to create and to take responsibility for the numbers that you bring in every month and for the message 
or messages, I guess, that you're putting out into the world. <clears throat> I love that. I think that that gives you so much freedom, so much confidence about yourself. It changes your life. Once you find your voice and you start really acting on it and standing up for the things that you believe in, it, it's a game changer. It is such a great place to be. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I, I would not either because, I mean, the world is great, but having personal freedom and, and feeling that sense of accomplishment is the best thing out there. So, uh, Ash, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast proper here. Uh, I've got some links in chat here for you. We've got youtube.com slash AshneyChrist, twitter.com slash AshneyChrist, and twitch.tv slash AshneyChrist. Um, and me! Yeah! Any <laughs> Anything I've missed or anything else you want to say to our folks before we go? Uh... Don't be assholes. Boom! Don't be assholes. <laughs> Everyone's be nice got one. Be nice to Everyone's people. Everyone's got one. Everyone doesn't have to be one. That's true. And some of them are better than others. I've seen pictures. I have proof. So yeah. <laughs> that's what's in Brian's head and not my God. asshole this week. <laughs> Thanks to my guest, Ashley Christ. Check her out. We'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Bye.